Hello, friends, and welcome in for the final episode of Season 1 of Vault Club Confidential. I'm your host, Austin Price. Coming up on the show, Tennessee Offensive Coordinator Joey Halsley. But before we get to him, we'll bring in Spire CEO James Clawson. James had a lot of success this year with the first season of Vault Club Confidential. Uh, a lot of great guests, both players and coaches uh, in multiple different sports. Um, but so many different memories from the last year for the Volunteer Club, whether it be tailgates, you know, smoking cigars after the Alabama game, tailgates on the road, uh, those road games, the bowl game. What are some of your best memories? Well, you know, as we as we started this, you know, it was been a, a year of experimenting, trying different things. Um, it certainly hasn't hurt that the success of the football team, the basketball team, the baseball run last year. I mean, we've had incredible success across our three biggest sports, and it's been – fun to be part of that you know the fan engagement has been really at an all-time high and so whether we're trying tailgates whether we're doing this incredible show that neither one of us really knew what it would look like but it's turned out to be an incredible success i think it's just trying new things um you know and trying to move move tennessee forward and our fans forward in this new nil era and also compensating the players while we're doing it i think the key to anything is people whether it's uh the members of VolQuest on our message board, the members of the Vol Club, the players that come on this show, or, or, or you know that you all interact with, the coaches, um, you know, it, they make the job or the event or the show um, what it is. Um, can just speak on just you know the the people that you come in contact with, whether it be um, you know donors or fans or businesses uh, looking to interact. Yeah, it's it's cool to see how much how much people love Tennessee, and whether that's the donor that's grew up here or that's the the kid that just transferred in. Like the when you when you get on campus and you see the passion of the fan base, I think it it just it it, it sparks something in you, and so. Um, it's been cool to interact with the players, get to know the players, see some of their stories, um, you know, see them interact with kids in certain environments, like with Emerald Youth or East Tennessee Children's Hospital. So, um, you know, they're regular guys, they're regular guys and girls, and, and you know, they're, they're student athletes, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they have the same kind of day-to-day and routines as, as a lot of us do, just in different ways. But um, it's been cool to get to know them on a more personal level. Later in the show, after Coach Hosley, we'll take a look back at Season 1. But for now, let's bring in the offensive coordinator for the Volunteers, Joey Halls. Coach, you're a California native. Yes, sir. You've been with Coach Heupel a long time. What's that journey been like from – playing ball in California, playing Juco ball in California to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then catching on with, with hype and riding this wave. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. Um, it was interesting because I was, you know, Southern California, like you said, did Juco ball at Huntington Beach. Then went out to Oklahoma mid-year in January at during a record-breaking blizzard. So I walked out of the dorm one of my first days there from Huntington Beach to Norman, Oklahoma in a blizzard. It's kind of like, well, what did I get myself into here? But <laughs> uh, clearly <laughs> ended up being all right because I ended up hanging around for a while and then uh, getting on with hype, and yeah, it's been the best best decision I ever made. How would you describe your coaching climb, you know, uh, from, you know, kind of a GA role into quarterbacks coach now to the OC role? It's, it's one of the better parts about working with Coach Heupel is everybody has a voice inside the room so you're not just sitting there in the back as a GA and a QC you know just kind of taking notes 
if you have something to say we're saying say it and he not only wants you to he expects you to so you kind of get building at that at a younger age and I think a lot of people get a chance to and then uh, makes you more ready when you're ready to take over position room and um, once again with the whole game planning and how everything was going to get down like that was a that was a complete communal effort the entire time so felt like I was ready to take over this coordinator position in the same way hype is so you were protective or just so big on knowledge of the offense mm-hmm. It almost, you know, if you're if you're somebody that's kind of in one of those QC, you know, roles, you, your chance to move up here, you know, is better than at most places. You look at the last couple of years, Kelsey moves up, Alec moves up into the tight ends mm-hmm. role. Um, what is it about this offense when you have that knowledge of it that allows you to kind of, you know, take that step as a coach? Yeah, it's just. You know, what we do, like if you just watch us on camera and watch like the game film of it, it's like, okay, it's it's nothing that crazy different. It's all about how we do it. And that is kind of the insider information that if you're teaching somebody new, it's a big process. And also you got to trust that that information isn't going somewhere else here in the next year or two that someone's looking for like a stepping stone. So he likes to promote guys that have been loyal to him, that have been around him. It's like, man, I trust him. He knows they're already good people. He knows they're already good coaches. So they make perfect sense for him to move into that role. You've had a long time to sit and kind of learn and, and, and kind of figure out maybe what you would take from hype calling plays or goalish calling plays and maybe some things you want to do mm-hmm. from a wrinkle standpoint. Um, what are things that you kind of observed that they you feel like they did well that you want to incorporate and then maybe some things that you want to add? Yeah, the, the fun thing about this offense is no matter who's calling it is it's extremely aggressive. You dictate the pace of the play. You dictate how the defense is going to play against you. That's why we get so many unscouted looks because um, defenses are just throwing stuff at a wall trying to hope something sticks against us. So it's, it's fun to be able to dictate that pace of play and that style of play that people don't get to say this is how it's going to go today. It's like, no, 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 we're going to tell you how this goes today and you're going to react to it. Sure. Um, for me, I love getting the ball out on the perimeter quickly. Like, I love it um, to our playmakers. So finding the right guy to get the ball in their hand to and get it out to them quickly in a bunch of space. Like, you've seen the splits we play in and how fast we play. Like, we can get space. We can get the guy with the ball in his hand. So let's figure out creative ways to get it to the right guy in that space that we're creating. So you got quarterbacks that have kind of been of all different shapes, sizes, mm-hmm. skill levels, that have all had success are they having success not because of the offense but you know doing it the same way or is it really like okay this guy throws the seam better than trying to you know right. get it out to the edge right um i think if you look at what the guys that have have had success in doing what we're doing have in common is they have that mindset of they're just they're they're ballers for lack of a better term like when something breaks down they can get you right when something is not the perfect play call or defense has a good call against you they get you out of it that mindset of being able to just kind of wheel and deal and be the type of guy that can just make the play, that doesn't matter how tall you are, how fast you are. You know, we had a guy at UCF that threw for 4,000 yards, and he doesn't look anything like Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, Nico, that he doesn't look anything like him. So if you have that mindset, you can perform here at a, at a really high level. Now you take it and you put it with all the tangibles that those guys have, and you get a Hendon Hooker performance. You get what Joe did in the Orange Bowl, and you can, you can do some really special stuff. You did take a year off. Um, I did, and, and and went more into the private sector. Mm-hmm. How different was that, and did it yeah, just it make you miss it that much more? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was about year nine of being off the field, meaning Q, QCGA yeah. analyst, however you want to term it. Um, I got an opportunity to work at a company that was, you know, 
salary was way better because they used to, you know, the <laughs> NCA said what the GAs can make and all that, and um, took it and was out of it for a while, and then was like, man, my wife and I had a conversation. She's like, well, this is not what you need to be doing. You need to get back into that, and went back with Coach Hype at UCF, and really the next year, uh, Jeff Levy took the old Miss job over at um, as the OC, and I bumped up into that quarterback position after one year at UCF. Do you feel like it's you know, it's one of those things where like your relationship with Coach Hype stands the test of time just because you all have, you know, been with you with each other when you were player coach, mm-hmm. now you're coach coach. Like we have that trust where we can like he can say things to me, I can say things to him and we both know that what the other person's intent actually is. You know what I'm saying? Like no one's trying to cut somebody down or trying to be, you know, disrespectful in any type of way. It's, hey, this is how I see it. And this is what I feel, the information that needs to get conveyed to you. And whether it's going from me to him or him to me, it's always received that way. We've been together for so long. We have that relationship. We understand that both of us have the best of intentions for the other person. So now we can just communicate and have that relay of information. It's free flowing. There's no like, I hope he takes this the right way, or I hope he doesn't see this. <laughs> it's like, no, like, <laughs> known for no 17 walking on years. Eggshells. There's no walking on eggshells. It's just, he says he wants communication in the building. So that that's what he gets. You grew up in California, you go to Oklahoma, now you're in the South. That's three different areas of the country, three mm-hmm. different areas of the country. Best part about each, and maybe, I, guess, I won't say worst part about each, but, you know, uh, maybe the most surprising part of each growing up in southern california it was when i went to oklahoma it was interesting to hear people say like yeah i've been to the beach a couple times because that's just like what we did (laughs) like you started the day off at the beach and it's like are we gonna do anything today (laughs) it's like you're sitting at the beach um so like obviously that's like the most fun part of being being around there oklahoma was fun i had great roommates you know a bunch of guys that are still in this profession um it was cool getting away from from Southern California. You get out part of this part of the country where football like really matters to people. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Same with you know the Midwest and the South and um, all of that has been a great reason why I never went back after I came here because like I love football and that's why I want to be out here where it matters to people. You, you know, but you recruit the you know Southern California. So when you get you get just enough of a taste of yeah. it. You know, do you get to go back and see family and stuff? You know, do you kind of try to buffer that in if you can? If I can, um, you know, friends will swing by and say what's up. But man, it's spring recruiting. Like you're out there and you're kind of ripping and running, and then you get to a hotel and you're finally like get to shut down here for a little bit before you get right back up and go at it again the next day. So try to mix it in if you can but it's one of those things that it, it ain't hitting 100 percent. when coach heupel was on we found out that coach heupel is a big jfk history buff what's one thing most people don't know about you well i think it's it's different than a lot of uh quarterbacks that come out of that part of the country like i actually didn't play quarterback till going into my junior year um decided between my sophomore year like i, I want to give this a shot so i found a guy to help teach me and really started playing the position my junior year in high school I was a corner to start off I don't think I had the ability to play corner at the next level but um, that's very different from how a lot of it goes especially out there kids have been trained by the same guy since they were like eight years old so that's one of the kind of different things about me you were telling me that when you were a senior Jimmy Clausen was on your high school football team as a freshman yep so how, how familiar were you with the Clausens you know and and then now you know obviously they mean a lot to the Tennessee family yeah no, I, I've I've known them since what, shoot what year two thousand three, so known the family. Now Casey and Rick were gone for a sure. good part of that, you know, doing their whole thing in college, and Casey was uh, taking a shot at the NFL and doing all that type of stuff. Um, 
but his sister Katie was my age, so we we went through our entire high school experience together. So I know the Clausens, you know, really really well. Known them since shoot what 2003, 20 years now. Yeah, <laughs> Katie was a uh, key member of the football, uh, you know, program here. She mm-hmm. worked behind the scenes as well. For you, where do you feel like you've grown most as a coach? Maybe you know you go back when you first started as a GA when you're trying to dabble into mm-hmm. it to right now. Where do you feel like you're most comfortable? Where do you feel like you've grown? I think in learning how to teach, because that's just what this is, is teaching. There's not one way to do it. And you can't just say, okay, this is my teaching style. And I think when you're younger, you just try to like show everybody that you know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And realizing that a lot of times saying like, hey, I don't know the answer here. Let me let me figure that out for you and I'll get it for our next meeting. But each guy that you have every year has something different that they need to learn. Some guys are visual. Some guys are you know, auditory. Some guys learn by doing. Some guys learn watching the tape. So just figuring out what your guy needs and actually helping them do it that way because it's all about them. It's not about you. It's how they perform on Saturday. So how do I communicate the information that my guy needs the best way possible? Not that what makes sense for me or what fits my style, what fits him. If that's going to be my guy, then I need to make sure he is receiving the information properly. And I think making that step, learning that that doesn't mean that I didn't teach it well. It's like, wait a minute, he's not hearing this the way it needs to be. How do I change? How do I make it right so that he can go perform to the best of his ability? It was well chronicled last fall that you kind of got the most out of Hendon Hooker by watching him play basketball and, and correlating that. Is there something you can correlate with Joe Milton that maybe you've, you know, kind of found a way to make him tick, you know? Yeah. Joe's our whole thing we've said, and, you know, all the guys in the room there that, that do a great job with him have said, like, man, you're it's okay not to know. Like, you're going to miss throws. That's fine. Like, let's figure out why. Like, you don't have to be perfect. Joe is a perfectionist, which is a not a bad trait for a quarterback, you know, wanting sure. to do it well. But when you take it to the point that you're, like, getting – mad if you miss a throw or like you're pissed off if you miss a read it's like well man like instead of going that way with it let's just watch it later today here's a group let's figure out why like why were you in the wrong spot why did you miss that throw why did that guy not go to the spots you thought he was going to go and that's been huge for him that you can be that perfectionist you can have that thought process of I don't want to make any mistakes but let's do it in a way that's beneficial not in a way that ends up being a hindrance because you just get mad and then one snowballs into the next. How different was he from those first couple of games, your all's mm-hmm. first year here, to that Orange Bowl start? Because the, the weather at Vanderbilt didn't kind of help yeah. anything. So I'd, yeah. I'd throw that one away. But yeah. like that Orange Bowl was perfect weather. So mm-hmm. different. how different was he? He was great, and it was all in his preparation. That dude was so prepared to play that game. That – you know, Clemson threw out a bunch of different kinds of defenses. When you watch the tape, like throughout like what you do in a bowl season, you're not watching four or five. You're looking at everything. Sure. I mean, they're going from three down to four down to pressure to drop eight to zone to man. It's that dude was dialed in on every aspect of the game plan. If they're going pressure, this is what we're thinking. If we're going man, this is what we're thinking. Zone drop. This is how we're going to attack every portion of it. And man, by the time we got the game day, he could have rattled off every version of that game plan right back to you. That dude was so prepared. And when he was that prepared. Then you just got to see his talent take over because he is immensely talented. That guy's as talented as anyone that'll ever throw a football. How do you get a player like Joe who's wanting to obviously continue to grow in the spring, but then you know a lot of his weapons are not there, like the mm. orange and white game. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> like you know, like yeah. skeleton crew of wide receivers, and it was kind of like that all spring though. I mean, Bruce didn't go. Dante was out for a good portion of spring, so on and so forth. So how do you continue to get him to grow, even though he's 
throwing to guys he may or may not be throwing to yeah, in the fall. We had this conversation with him and, and with Nico as well. You know what I'm saying? Because if the guy that's rolling with the one group has not the same guys, then imagine what's going You know what I mean? It just sure. keeps trickling down. And I said, guys, this is hugely beneficial. Like, just work through your reads. Don't let it change anything. Work through, get to your checkdowns, scramble, extend plays, go up, up, and out, go get yardage. Like, all of this is extremely beneficial. It may not feel that way. You may get frustrated because you're just not on the same page with the guy that you're used to going with. But, man, like, as this keeps going on and on and on, like, you keep going one, two, boom, where's my back? Where's my tight end? How do I drop this thing down? How do I get up, up, and out? Like, all of that stuff that you you may not get normally in a spring, they got to do all that for a while. It's like, this is going to serve you extremely, extremely well moving forward. What's your goal for the offense? I mean, it's hit records last year. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> It's hard to be as good as you were a year ago, sure. right? Like, what what are your goals for this fall? What what do you want to see this offense do? The standard for this offense is to be the best offense in the country, and that's not a graphic like tagline. That's like that's how we feel with how we do what we do. The guys that we have, we feel that we should go out and execute and be the best offense in the country. And it's like, all right, great. Is it a stats thing? Not really. That means every single ball game we should be in position to go get plus one on whoever we're playing period end of discussion like that's how we feel doesn't matter if it takes seven points awesome if it takes 50 awesome whatever is the task set at hand that given saturday we should be able to go out and accomplish that's how we feel that's how we step into the into the stadium every single time we take the field coach hype's big on family Mm -hmm. i think you're the ultimate the ultimate example of that like having kids around the complex you've always got your kids you've got a brand mm-hmm. new and congratulations thank you very much but like they're always around your wife's always around to, to coach for a coach who is so big on wives and families and kids stopping by and hanging out because mm-hmm. you guys work so many long days right how nice is that it's awesome and it's uncommon in this profession like everyone loves to pitch that family tagline out there on recruiting um, but most people don't actually live by it. it. It's great that, like, when your kids are up there, you don't have to worry about if they're loud in the hallway. And he's, like, looking around like, Who? no, they're kids. They should be loud. Like, he wants to hear your kids out there. He wants them running around, ripping footballs around the hallway, like banking them off the walls. It's just it's nice that you can have them up there, and while they're up there, you're not worried about they have to be, like, perfect. It's like, man, they're at a football practice. Like, let them run around. Let them make noise. Let them be loud. You know, like – the fact that that's not only okay, but that's like, yeah, that's how it should be. It's it's awesome. Just last week, we had Dylan Sampson on, and Dylan said the moment that he knew Tennessee was the right fit for him was they were at Ruth's Chris on the official visit. Mm-hmm. Jabari, who was his host, is on FaceTime with his mom, and Hype comes around, knows her first name, goes into the full spiel, and he said that was so genuine that he had only been on the campus a couple of months and knew the parents' yeah. name and all that, you know, which goes back to the whole family vibe, yeah. like, and being genuine, that it's real, yeah. right? And, you know, fast, fun, real. I know that's a slogan. Everybody's got a slogan these right. days, right? I mean, it's kind of the, you know, the, the sales pitch every college is in. But, you know, when they can see that, um, to hear that kind of story and know that that little bit of realness helped you land a guy like Dylan Sampson. Yeah. What's that say? No, that's actually the first time I've heard that, so that's that's awesome. And it just tells you you're bringing in the same – the type of kid that kind of has the same values that you do, that that actually spoke to them, you know what I mean, that that mattered to them. That's That's been one of the biggest benefits of this is that 
I think one of the reasons it's been able to flip on its head so quickly is because the guys we have here are the ones that did care about the same type of things that Coach Hype preaches and Coach Hype says he wants in the room. Um, and that's what we've brought in recruiting. So that's awesome to hear. That's literally the first time I've heard that. Another family thing they do, or, or team bonding thing they do, they play softball at the end of spring every mm-hmm. year. And a couple of weeks ago, they, they get out after the spring game, they play softball as coaches versus the players. Dylan, uh, who told me last week that, you know, I said, the coaches won this game. This is two years in a row. And he said, because our generation doesn't know how to hit a moving ball. Yeah. <laughs> and They're bad. Take, take me through Jake Bresky's walk-off home run. Yeah. And uh, your fielding, because I was told that wasn't very good. Okay, so let's 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 start this thing over here. Um, yeah, the the fielding wasn't elite today. I'll give you that one. Uh, it usually is. I'm a shortstop by trade. Um, did hit a two run shot off the scoreboard. I did hear that though. Yeah, that thing would still be going up if it didn't hit the scoreboard, right? But now, I was told to know? emphasize the fielding. Yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we knew they only scored eleven. Um, we knew that wasn't going to be enough to get it done. So, you know, had a bunch of guys get on base, and we set up the the order for whoever was the guys that could go yard would sit up behind the guy. So as soon as they got two or three on base, step up, take your shot. Who is the power hitter out of that that group? Coaches? Yes, me. It's because you're younger. You know, I mean, like, I, 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 I can't imagine. Like, if, if Rodney Garner gets on, I think it's automatic pinch run, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you're not, he's not running the bases. You, Robert Ayers hit an inside the park home run. That dude can still move. He can still move, yeah. Move. Yeah, and that's about big old man running around the corners right there. You think he took like three kids out on the way around, but <laughs> scored, so it's all good. Still got two or three uh, pass rushes in. Um, let's go rapid fire. Favorite Tennessee tradition? Uh, man, that's tough. And I haven't got to do it, so but from up top when the T running through the yeah. T, like that's as cool as, as anything there is. At nighttime when they put the spotlight on it, which is a new amazing. thing. Like that, that's that not, was that, okay. That was never happened until Danny and, and you all got here. The spotlight on the T, that was all. Uh, it's sweet, and I I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to actually run through it because we're all we're up by the time it happens. But man, when that thing splits down the middle and the crowd goes crazy, that's that's tough to beat right there. You never know, Halsey. You may be a head coach here one day. Who's your favorite NFL team? Hmm. That's probably hard because, I mean, L.A. didn't have a team there for a while. They, they, well, I was the Raiders growing up, and then they moved to Oakland, and it broke my heart when I was little. And now they're in Vegas. And then I switched to Denver because of that, and I was a huge John Elway fan. Um, nowadays, it's more like uh, a lot of the guys that I know. Like, I like watching the guys that I've played with or coached or so that So you're watching players play. more than teams. I like, I'm watching players more than teams, 100%. Do you think you'll ever move back to the West Coast? I don't see it. Only if you're a coach? Yeah. Favorite restaurant in Knoxville? Literally today had Lonesome Dove for the first time. Dude. That was amazing. So good. So good. Chivo's Fire, too. But different different, different brand, man. That Lonesome Dove. That Lonesome hit. Dove is next yeah. level. And, and on Fridays, they do 16-ounce uh, prime ribs at lunch for $18. <laughs> they also have uh, 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 sirloin cheeseburgers. Ooh. Okay. So Fridays, a I'm good day if you can get out of the office. I'll let uh, Hype know. <laughs> Staff retreat. <laughs> yeah. Do your kids play sports? Are they old enough yet? Uh, Are my, we oldest, into that? my oldest just turned seven. Um, so you get to that age where you can play like they're, they're starting to get there. Yeah, my Coach pitch. my boy, um, he's obsessed with Tennessee baseball right now. We watched some. It was like a fan-made YouTube. It was called like the Villains. It was the last year's baseball sure, highlights. Yeah. We watched that thing about five, six times a day. He's out there doing this and <laughs> all that. He loves it. We watch that all the time. And we had a tee. I got him a tee, and uh, then he watched that and he said, "Well, those guys don't use a tee, so I'm not using a tee anymore." 
and now I just have to pitch to him, and he just tries to rip him. But so he's obsessed with Tennessee baseball right now. He's got two different jerseys. He's got the daddy hat. He's got he's got all of it. And then he's a big Hendon and Joe fan. And Cooper Mays, Sorry. oddly enough, he's a big Cooper Mays fan. He has the uh, home Mays shirt. Yeah, that he wears. Yeah, it's hard to not like the Mays brothers. Yeah. Um, we just talked about you. You welcomed your fourth. Um, how have the other three adjusted to another oh, it's been addition? Great. Yeah, they. My oldest now, she's like another having another little mom in there. Like she, yeah. she'll feed her, she'll rock her, she'll get her to go to sleep. She just completely taken over. And the other two see her as like a little plaything. So like they just have fun wiggling stuff in front of her face and all that. So does the does, did you have the family from California come out much? Uh, it hasn't been out a ton, but you know, sometimes. Do you think they'll come out now more that you're the OC? Potentially, yeah. Potentially, okay. The um, I ask this every week: Jordan or LeBron? That's not fair. What are we talking about here? Playing one on one or just careers stacking up to each other? I don't feel like it's a fair question. Who's the goat? I gotta go, Jordan. Okay, that's two weeks in a row. Samson went Jordan. I think he may be the first one to have won Jordan. We've had a lot of Kobe's though. I asked Jordan, LeBron, and they go Kobe. Like you know, I mean, I mean. I was in California during Kobe's prime. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, like that's – I think it's like that's what but I'm saying. But you still would have grown up when you were a kid during the Jordan era. I was though. a kid during the Jordan era, yeah. Which would be like me because yeah. I'm 40 and you're, what, 37? Yep. So, you know, the Marv Albert calling the games oh, yeah. on NBC. Yeah, this game's in the refrigerator, the door shut, the uh, butter's getting hard, the jello's – yeah. From way that downtown. Was, that was Chick. Remember Chick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chick Hearn. Yeah. Know. Yeah, Chick was the man. You, 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 you not only had him, but then you had Ben Scully with the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Ben Scully was the man. So you, you lived in a golden era of, of radio broadcasting <laughs> yeah, out there and, and didn't even know it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, those guys were, were legends. You Dodgers fan? Oh, yeah. Big Dodgers fan. I used to go to those games all the time growing up. Uh, Chavez Ravine, quick story. Tennessee was playing UCLA in 08. That game was supposed to be week two. It got moved to week one. The Dodge, I had Dodgers tickets for that week, too, but the, they weren't at home for the week one game. It was on a Monday night, and we ended up going to an Angels game instead. And so we get out there, and we're talking to the scalper, and we're going to just trade the tickets. He's going to take the Dodgers tickets for next week, and we're going to take the Angels tickets. Police pulls up, arrest him. <laughs> we had the Angels tickets in hand, and we just walked right on in and didn't have to pay. So that was outstanding. Disneyland guy? Yeah. Um, so when we were in, in Orlando – you know, we were there for a couple of years, and we had that season pass. You had the world. Man, they wore that thing out. Like, But it was great with little kids because, like, you could go for, like, three hours and come back because we were only, like, 25 minutes from it. Disneyland or Disney World, though? Man, Disney World. And I, I grew up going to Disneyland, but Disney World's got more bang for your buck. I'm going to go Disneyland. And well, I... And I, I for the for the exact reason I want to disagree with you, I think you you can get parts of Animal Kingdom and Epcot at Disneyland and California Adventure that you don't, and, and so like you can't replicate the you can't replicate the animals at Animal Kingdom, and right. you can't replicate the countries at Epcot. Right. But if you said Disneyland California Adventure versus um, Hollywood Studios and Magic Kingdom, I'll take the two in California all day long. Really. Yeah, I, it's way more laid back in California too. Like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and I, you you yeah. struck me as a laid back kind of guy. I am, but like when you're trying to entertain that many kids at one time, like man, you go to the Florida one. You got oh, the yeah. animal lover taken care of. You got the ride lover taken care of. The ones that love Frozen at Epcot, man. Well, Funny we, story. I was waiting for the Frozen ride in Epcot, and I saw Drew Locke. 
standing there. He was like, what are you doing here? I was like, I have four kids. What are you doing here? He's like, yeah, just going to go ride the Frozen ride. To put this in, in, in terms for, for the older crowd, and I mean the older crowd as in like our age, Thanks. I was standing in line for living with the land when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and Adam Banks, his name's not Adam Banks in real life, but Adam Banks from the Mighty Ducks mm. was in line for that ride. <laughs> Cool. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I you know, and we took the kids. We're supposed. To, I want to take the kids to Disneyland. Uh, not to get this totally sidetracked on Disney, but we want to take the kids to Disneyland during 2020. Knox County fall or uh, yeah, Knox County fall break and Tennessee bye week never hits. It was going to hit on the same thing. We we're going to go out to the Halloween party at Disneyland. We've done the Halloween party at Disney World ever since my kids were born. Gotcha. And then COVID hit, so we weren't able to go. So last year, I'm like, hey, I'm taking the kids to Disneyland before they get any older. Blah blah blah. And then, of course, ends up, you know, falling into Nico committing when we're out there. And, mm. you know, ended up going to Golden West Community College, yes, which sir. is where he trained, which is where you played. That is where I played. Yes, sir. I played one year at Golden West. That field, though, that you would have been on, that wasn't there. We didn't have our own stadium. We played at OCCC Stadium. We split it with them. Those were just little practice fields that back right up to that baseball stadium. Yeah, it wasn't there. You a big San Diego guy? I like San Diego. I didn't spend too. a ton of time there, but it's San Diego's awesome. It is. We can't yeah. beat the weather. It's, I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, you can be in 100 degrees in L.A. You go south, you think it's going to be warmer. No, nope, it's like 75. Yeah, pretty good. You tee off playing golf in San Diego, it's 75. You finish out, it's still 75. Yes, sir. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Best food back home is what? This is, it's a chain. Like, I think Baja Fresh is as good as you can get out there. But there's way better, like, more authentic stuff you can get there. I used to grow up eating that, man. So I got to go with that one. People are going to hate on me for that. But you that's big fine. on the Mexican food? I do. I love Mexican food. What's the best Mexican in Knoxville that you've had? Uh, Dos Bros is really good. Um, do you count Chivo? Sure. Chivo's really, really good. It's kind of like a different take on it. You know what I mean? If you and the wife have a date night, yeah, where are you going? Okay, so Brasserie is right by our house. Really, really good. We'll go to Lonesome Dove now because that thing, it's... that was a different animal right there. We haven't spent as much time at, at Old Town. Just It's tough to get to from out where we are. So yeah. the, the Brasserie is really good, too. Uh, I feel you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You ever go up to Gallenberg much? Haven't been much. Went to, I've been to Dollywood a couple times. I know hypes, you know, gets up there and up there and you know, Pittman Center and mm-hmm. you know, floats down the river. So I didn't know how much you've done that. This is hard with the little ones, man. It is true. It's hard to put them in a river. <laughs> it's hard they're to not put, old enough to put, put a, a three or four and a six year old in a river. You give it four more years and then you're good. Yeah. But by then you'll be a head coach somewhere, living it up. Who knows? Making nine million like Hypel a year. I don't know about all that, man. We'll see. <laughs> so we were we were out there watching Nico play last fall, and I said, "Hey, you need anything? You know, from the concession stand?" Hype's like, "What? Did you want the hot dog, or did Hype want the hot dog?" I think that was me. Hi, what Hype wanted popcorn? Hype wanted popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. After Hype got nine million, my wife goes, "I don't think we're gonna pay for any more popcorn." <laughs> but she was joking. But it was still funny. I was like, eh, "Kudos." Um, what's your goal in all this? As far as professionally? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm assuming you would like to be a head coach someday, right? I would, my, my main goal is to win a national title. Like, I, I want to win a national title. That's my goal. I want to do it. I've gotten close before as a player. Um, I want to win a national title. Seeing the success last year, how much does that whet the appetite to, 100%. to do that more? Like that Bama atmosphere, yep. LSU on the road, yep. taking over that stadium. You're going against the best of the best, and – We've shown we can hang with it. We came up short, you know, for whatever reasons. Last year we didn't quite get to where we needed to get. Um, I also think with the the change in the format coming, um, it just makes it even more like it's not just four, it's 12 now. Like you can go, you get your shot to go actually play for it. 
that's that's all you can ask for. Oklahoma coming into the conference. Do you do you, do you look forward to that? I do. I know a lot of guys on that staff, so it'll be it'll be fun. Going back Their there, tight coach coming was, here. I would love to go back there. Their tight ends coach was my roommate in college. I think he was one of those names bannered about once uh, Golish left. You yeah. know, and you knew you were going to hire a tight ends yeah. coach just because you know you start trying to connect mm-hmm. dots, right? Um, what's one thing that you do better than all the other coaches? Well, based off the softball game, you say I'm the best hitter. Yeah. So trying. you're the best softball player, and Hype's the best basketball player because that's self-proclaimed. Like, you know, every time he gets in front of a mic, he's talking about how great he is at basketball. You're going to disagree with this. I would never disagree with Coach Heupel, especially not with a microphone in front of my face. <laughs> Your eyes said otherwise. <laughs> Coach Pope told the story a few weeks ago when he was out about uh, body checking Heupel after he was told not to touch Heupel in basketball. Yep. Um, when Hype had fun and, and cleaned out his locker, how much fun was that for the other coaches? <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good. That's I don't think anyone actually thought he would do it, but he, he did it. I think it scared Coach Pope more than he wants to admit that it did. Oh, no. He admitted to it on that show. It was like the uh, – it was like uh, you know when Ricky Vaughn thinks he gets cut in first major league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty good. You're not allowed to touch Coach Height when you're playing basketball. It's a very clear cut rule. Do you always just make him go left or make him go right? I mean, do you make him go right? He, he does. I'll give him that. He does have handles. He can go both ways. Like he can cross you up. Like I, I can handle the basketball. If you're tasked with guarding someone, who do you want to guard? I probably take Tim Banks. Tim Banks. Yeah. You know who can shoot the lights out of the gym? Mitch Militello. Yeah, like can shoot it out. You, I know, I see your face. Can shoot the lights out of the gym. How is he defensively? He's a good basketball player, man. Do play AAU basketball in St. Louis, so he can actually he can play basketball. St. Louis or East St. Louis, because there's a difference. St. Louis play AAU basketball in East St. Louis, <laughs> and then you're a real dude. What do you feel like is the biggest misnomer about Tennessee football right now? I've actually heard like. With the draft coming up, you know what I mean? You hear they're talking about Hendon, Jalen, Cedric, all those guys on our side of the ball. Um, I, I've heard people say, like, you know, like the the air raid style offense or, you know, it's like they're finessed. Like, man, couldn't be further from the truth. Like, we, we were nowhere near that. We like to run the ball. We attack vertically. We attack in the ground game. We're just an up-tempo type of offense that what do you want that day? You want to load the box? Cool, we're throwing it. You want to play soft? Cool, here comes the run like so what that that's the thing that gets me is when people kind of like to group us into the finesse style of offense because they say I think people just assume if you score a lot of points and move a bunch of yards that's what you are when you throw well but in this conference finesse doesn't score points and doesn't move the football you know that you've been out here long enough that if you're not hitting somebody in the mouth and physically moving somebody you ain't moving the football what was the biggest difference from year one to year two because I felt like that's where your biggest growth was short yardage one is just the second year in the system is always just different like those first couple games guys are just learning what to actually do you know you, you go through all the almost a year of practice it's just a different animal when it's live fire out there so just now we can be more creative in what we were doing we could kind of formation change more we could motion more we could we could put different bodies in different spots because we're not worried about guys just doing the right thing you know what i'm saying like now we can like all right cool like how do we want to mess with the defense now that was kind of fun that's why you saw a bunch of growth in that whether it was short yardage or you know our goal line stuff our our third down packages our some of the shots we got up against different teams like it was motions formations getting you know we're getting Jalen in certain spots and getting getting him on specific bodies so we were able to do that more once the guys had a very clear-cut picture of what 
the base stuff we wanted to accomplish was. Does it feel like it's going to take, is it, do you feel like it's going to be one of those like slow rest of the spring and summer months to get, because I know we like get to that first game of calm plays. Do you feel like that, that do you think you'll blink and it'll be here? Or do you think this is going to be one of those things where you look forward to it? So it, I think it, it's, it's, with football season every year man it's like you get to like may or april may june and it's like man it feels like it's just groundhog day-ish and then it's like you have your june recruiting time and official visits every weekend so you're like man this is kind of just the same thing over and over and then july you get a little bit of downtime it's like man i can't believe fall camp's already here it's like man once fall camp hits like you're in it now you know what i mean so it's one of those things it's like a combination of a slow grind but that it's over real quick. Like by the time you look up, you're like, man, it's time to actually, this this just got real. It's time to go do it. We head into the summer months. You hit the June, recru- you hit spring evaluations yep. and then June recruiting. Then you get that few weeks where you get to actually take a vacation, yeah. be a family guy. Yep. What's the dream vacation for the Halls, Lease? We love Marco Island. Learned it. It's right out there on the Gulf, um, north of the Keys. That's our spot. We go there for six, seven days and the hotel points you accumulate from spring ball or spring <laughs> recruiting kind of pay for it and you go out there for that's that's our spot we love that where's one place that you all have not been that you'd like to go maybe just you and the wife we'd love to do so like we've talked about doing like uh like greece or something at some point would love to do that i don't even know the best place to go there so if you got any recs I'll, I'll listen to you, you seem I, to know. I, I don't have any of those i've, I've done nothing in europe um the wife and i did hawaii and we're doing alaska this summer so that's cool you know, I know Gullish did Alaska last summer, so my wife's not super into the cold weather. If yeah, if it's vacations, let's go somewhere. Yeah, to the beach. Yeah. There you go, there you go, Hawaii then. Hawaii, yeah. Cabo, stuff like that. Yeah. Well man, we appreciate the time and uh Absolutely. you enjoy the downtime this summer when you yes, actually sir. get to it. And uh, we look forward to uh, watching you call plays at Nissan Stadium against uh, Virginia coming up there in uh, early September. I appreciate it. That is offensive coordinator Joey Halsley, and that's a wrap on season one of Vol Club Confidential. But that's not all. Let's take a look back at some of our favorite moments from season one. You know, with our offense, any game, anybody can have a big one. You know, just just how our offense works, and we have the right guys for it. You know, I, I think we have four elite four elite receivers in that room. We was always just two biggies out there, so that's where we, I kind of just got it from. And I, it's just been big old ever since. When we score... It's that song, and it's a pretty dang good one. You know, one of the great things here is, is the opportunity that players have for personal professional development. Um, this is a great city to live in, and in today's uh, landscape, um, you know, I think it's important that we provide the best resources and the best opportunities that we can for, for any of our players.